What's up, guys? Four Corners Mid-Season Review. I am one of your hosts, Ray. You can find me on Twitter at SolarRays. Uh, as always, my co-host, Peter, at BucketSense88. How you doing? Doing great. You know, Nuggets have had a little extra pep in their step lately, so hopefully uh, that'll you carry sound like you have pep in step. Hey, new year, new me, right? <laughs> right, right. Okay, uh, and we're also joined by our producer, Jared. How have you been? Doing good. Made it out of health and safety protocols, so I'm back. Awesome. Yes. He's back. <laughs> squad is growing. Uh, he, he does the healthy thing by staying off of Twitter, which I can have a deep respect for. And <laughs> our host this week, uh, fellow Nuggets fan, Serbian dancer aficionado, Haley. How you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. I'm really happy to be doing this with you guys. Very exciting. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Uh, you can find her on Twitter at Ajda Kolo. Did I pronounce that I, right? No, close. No. I de Kolo. I, I de Kolo. See, mm-hmm. here I am. <laughs> Fluent as always. So uh, tell us about that. How, what is the origin of, of that Twitter handle, Twitter handle for you? Um, well, Aide means let's go in some um, Balkan languages, and Kolo uh, means dance. So, uh, yeah, let's go dance. Um, I am really into Serbian and Balkan music and dance. Um, and is, is that how you became just a Nuggets fan? You kind of translated from the, the dance community to the uh, kinds of kind of dance, basketball, I would say. It is. It's a beautiful dance. Um, yeah. So it's kind of a funny story. I um, I used to watch basketball a little bit with my dad um, when I was little, uh, watching the Sonics. Um, and then I didn't really watch sports at all um, until a couple years ago. I had a friend who was like, oh, you like Serbian stuff. Well, Serbians are amazing basketball players. And there's one in particular that you would love. It's a, an underdog story. And I love underdog stories. Of and um, yeah, I just started watching Jokic and just the Nuggets. It It's just such a beautiful style of play. And the you know the things that Jokic has had to overcome and you know just all the comments about his body about he's not how he's not good enough and how he just doesn't care at all about what people say about him and he just plays so well and just plays with heart and that's just like the culture of the nuggets and so that really yeah yeah he's definitely relatable for for all of us um the physically imperfect i I would say like me just as a big man i love him just for how he um you know embodies everything that we wanted to be in life yeah you know yeah i mean i'm not i'm certainly not his level of expert in anything in my life but um but yeah he's he's just amazing an amazing story um and you know especially watching the nuggets in the bubble were so inspiring um and i've just really fallen in love with all of the players and coaching staff cool cool so then and cool. then covid hit then covid hit and uh so now all i do is watch basketball 
Nice. Is that that's your that's your COVID your COVID hobby? Yes. Some people bake bread. Yes. Oh, so you're nuggets. you're a basketball fan born from COVID. But um, born from dance and COVID, I guess. <laughs> COVID <laughs> just locked it in. COVID locked oh, it in. Fair. Yeah. That's cool. Fair. <laughs> cool. 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 So uh, the first thing I kind of wanted to touch on today is we're about halfway through the season, and it's been quite the ride. There have been ups. There have been downs. There have been downs. And sometimes there have been ups. Um, Peter, I'll start with you. How satisfied with you, how satisfied with the Nuggets are you based on your expectations going into the season? I would say I'm slightly below satisfied. I mean, they're actually right around where I expected they would be, maybe a couple games worse. But, you know, go, remember going into the season, we fully expected Michael Porter Jr. and P.J. Dozier to be healthy. So right now the Nuggets are 22-20, and 20, sitting at sixth place in the Western Conference, a game and a half behind Dallas. Um, there's really only two games that stick out in my mind is like we completely crapped the bed, gave away the game at Orlando, and then that Clippers game last week. Um, mm-hmm. So if you – if you if you turn those two around, you know they're twenty four and eighteen without their second and third best player. So that's kind of treading water like as well as you need to. And I still think they're in a good position. I mean, every single day that passes, the Nuggets, you know, don't have another injury is like they're getting closer to having their team again. So you know, yeah, there's been ups and downs. It's kind of like drop one you know, win one, drop two, win two kind of season. But at least they're, they're not giving in. You know, they're, there's teams that are more healthy than us that are having worse seasons. So, you know, go ask the Kings fans how they think their season's going. I mean, oh, you know, we had Kings them. fans. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. They so, have I mean, you know, <laughs> we're so lucky to have Nikola Jokic, who's been I'm not going to go the MVP route, but he's arguably been the most consistent player in the NBA this season. I mean, how many times does Jokic just not show up ever? You know, I mean, he's. Oh, I'm, I'm going to say I think he's the MVP. Uh, I mean, you can I mean, pencil in him. You can pencil in him in for like 17 and eight. You know, that's a bad game for him. It's a bare minimum. <laughs> that's a, yeah. that's so. Has he had a yeah. game that bad all year? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know. I, think I mean, been it's, one maybe, maybe it's rare. So maybe you know, there's just been there's been so many lineup changes. I mean, and that's true for every team because of COVID and stuff. But Mm -hmm. I I think realistically, when you look at who's been out, you know, Jamal Murray hasn't played all year. MPJ clearly wasn't right from the start. I think you have to be pretty happy because I think everybody else on the roster has pretty much given you what you would expect from their talent level Maybe everybody except Jermichael Green, who was pretty disappointing to start the year and has started to come around. But but overall, I, I think the Nuggets are still okay. A little little slightly disappointing, but but definitely not like sky is falling. Because yeah, I mean there were still some fans here and there after certain games are like we should tank, and I was just like that's crazy. A little bit, uh, Haley. I see you shaking your head. How, how do you feel so far about things? How things are going? Well, um. I feel a little more positive. I, um, you know, when MPJ went out, I just was like, you know what? I'm just hoping to make it to the playoffs and that would be, that would be good. You know, hoping that 
when Jamal Murray comes back that he can, you know, adjust and, and fit in. Um, and I mean, Jokic has just, he, I mean, how many games has he not had a double double? It's not very many. And he just, he just carries the team so much and he's just exceeded expectations. Um, I just, you know, the Nuggets have had so many challenges this season. Uh, like Peter said, all of the lineup changes, um, all of the health issues. And that's, you know, with so many people, you know, even Jokic had some uh, some health issues. Um, yeah, he did and have then, that stretch where he missed five games, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, COVID has also really hit. Um, so, and it's like, you know, when players like Bones goes out for health and safety protocols, um, then he comes back and he still, you know, he looks a little rusty. So I think it's just really hindered the team from playing more seamlessly together. And so I hope that, I hope we can just continue that. And like Jermichael Green, when he's like healthy, he has this great chemistry with Jokic and he's able to actually make the dunks. So that's true. I think that's something that really shined like, once he played with Jokic, it was like he was oh, really just yeah. starting to find find a rhythm too. And when he got put in the protocols there, yeah. yeah. Speaking of protocols, Jarrett, how do you feel about the season so far? <laughs> um, I actually would say pretty above average. If you told me going in, we would have two more near season ending or season ending injuries in the case of Michael Porter and PJ Dozier. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really think those two things contextualize a lot of it for me. I just I can't. I know everyone's going to be, everyone has their injuries and you can't make excuses the whole bit, but having, I mean, when Vlatko went down, I thought, is this really our fifth player on a severe non-contact injury? That, yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> I mean, we're, we were at the point where Vlatko going down for a long period of time was extremely concerning and that, to me, that told me all I needed to know. So to find ourselves above 500 still, I really, I'll take it, see where they can get when when Jamal hopefully comes back. And it's not fair to ask him to come back and turn turn it around as much as it's going to need turning around to really get where the Nuggets want to go. But it it if anyone could do it, I might say Jamal could. But again, that's, that's not that's not fair, but it's the question being asked. I mean, like, who's spending more time rehabbing than Jamal Murray? Not many people, I don't think. You're in the same position. Uh, I, I will admit, I'm kind of, kind of been a negative Nancy. Uh, I'm not exactly oh, happy. <laughs> Very unlike you. I know, I know. Um, I mean, I, I. So part of it is that I don't really care what their record says, partly right. because the chaos is so thorough i mean throughout the league you know you're playing the team you're playing you can play the same team on two different nights and you'll see an entirely different sort of product on the floor depending on the scheduling and covid and injuries and and what have you uh but, but just based on my sense of do i feel like they're playing as well as they could be 
I, I can't say I'm impressed. I mean, outside of Jokic, obviously, because he, I think he's playing as well as he can pretty much every night, and I think that means a lot. But I think it's, average, it's averaged out by not everyone else on the roster playing as well as they could on a nightly basis. Um, who's healthy, anyway? Uh, and, would, and some of that is the changes. In aggregate, they're getting closer to that, though, in this last six or seven game stretch, Clippers game aside, of course. Um, I part of it's that I don't know if I can put that game aside, <laughs> but that's also, no, that's I it's 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 about who I guess more to that point, it's about who they're playing to me. Uh, and for me to feel really good about the team, I need to see them beat a team that I think is really good. <laughs> But they've done a great job of beating the lesser teams in the league. And and that's kind of so it keeps me from being hitting the panic button or wanting to hit the panic button, so to speak. But at the same time. Right. I think I think that's where I just have to have to take the Matt Moore Twitter account approach where there are no good or bad wins or losses. There are just wins Uh, and losses at this point. uh, Although we might be coming out of that because there are less and less players missing random games here and there. So. But yeah, for that I three mean, week stretch, I really I don't know how you can get too upset that they're not beating good teams when who's a good team and who's a bad team switches every three days. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, I think it's also the expectations that that we have for yeah, the Nuggets at this fair. point in their timeline. You know, they're not the if this was like the Moutier Nuggets, <laughs> you know, it would be really different. Where my expectations are different, like. If, you you would get be when forty percent of your games or thirty percent of your games, and I'd be like, oh, it could be. It's not that bad, you know. But I think well, they're in a point where, you know, they are. If it and if they had sort of like quote unquote punted on the season, I wouldn't care about anything. They'd be like, okay, they're trying to go, they're trying to win next year, but um, we want to win championships, and I uh, just feel like that we need to or at least the team should be focused on that as a sort of standard that they want to set uh, for themselves, you know, in, in the bar that they're trying to measure themselves against. Um, I mean, I think, you know, I think that's still possible this year, depending on how things shake out. And it's certainly possible next year. So um, to uh, kind of tra- transition into our next Wait, can topic. I, can I just comment uh, yeah, one yeah. more thing? Please go ahead. Well, Ray, I think, I think what's unique about basketball compared to like say football or baseball is if you have a major injury in football or baseball, like say your quarterback goes down, he gets replaced by a backup quarterback, right? A guy that's been playing quarterback his whole career, you know, in baseball, if your left fielder goes down, he gets replaced by left field of the bench and you have a whole minor league system of a guy who's also been playing outfield his whole life. Basketball Mm -hmm. is so much more interchangeable. If you go back to the beginning of the season, even when everybody was healthy, you were already complaining about the fact that PJ Dozier is coming off the bench and playing the three. He's he's a yes. one, like he's a one or a two, right? So mm-hmm. now you have multiple injuries, multiple COVID problems, and unfortunately, the way basketball works is they're just trying to find bodies, and they're just like sometimes Malone just has to put the best talent in the game, and it's not necessarily going to be the fit, right? It's like you have to play Austin Rivers or Bones Highland at the three because that's your best chance of scoring, even though it's going to look like the size of a college team out there. So I definitely understand that. Uh, at the same time, I'm not, you know, um, 
They're just trying to get through I games. Didn't decide to, you know, I, I didn't decide to have a team the size of a college team. I mean, right. I think no, it, there's it's definitely kind of like you a, definitely have valid uh points about the roster construction. I just think that you know it's so hard to build chemistry when guys are being asked to do something that's outside of their skill set. Like I've I've come around to the point where like Facundo Composo shouldn't play 32 minutes a game, but he's he's been forced to. So when he plays poorly, I feel bad for him because, like, why is Malonky playing him 16 minutes in a row? Like, nobody, no other coach yeah. makes guys do that. You guys remember last right. year in the playoffs, Durant played, like, 48 minutes in a game? Like, that was crazy. Right. So well, and he's, not, he's come out and said, and even Durant at least, even though my foot was on the line, we might not have even won the next series because I was drained from that. Exactly. And, and I mm-hmm. think you and can I, see moments of that. And I'm not thinking about Falco. it in terms of, like, oh, Falco was disappointing. I'm also thinking about it in terms of, and like, how do I feel about Michael Malone's job and how has he done this season? And how do I feel yeah. about Tim Connolly in the front office and how they've done? I think it's kind of a collective thing where it's yeah, not just I the think... players. It, it's the whole organization for me. Um, I'm, I'm not mad, but I'm not happy either. Yeah, I think Malone coaches every game like it's game seven. But Connolly definitely hasn't always done him any favors with some of the roster choices. Yeah, um, and a different, you know, it can be, it's hard for me to, but it's hard for me to single anyone specifically out. Sure. Uh, if if they were trying to play the guys that Tim Connolly brought him, they might not win as many games. But if that was their goal is to, to focus on kind of integrating these guys, I might be okay with that. If, if We've started with, to see some of that. We have. Some of it. But I also think, like, if it's if it's by force, do I do you, do I give credit for that? You know, do you count it. it? I mean, reps are reps. Yeah. Reps are reps, but um, there's uh, I don't know. I, I kind of would hope that I don't think doing the right thing is something that should be the last resort. If that makes sense, um, to some extent, I, I don't know if. Maybe I'm being too harsh on them, but um, I don't know. This should, if I gave them a grade, I would give them a C. You know, totally I'm, fair. I'm not. They'll pass. They're passing. You know, C's earned degrees. They're at least a bachelor's. I don't know, but not a master's. But uh, well, I think what you have to remember is with with guys like Zeke and with Bones, you know, a rookie and a second year player. Malone doesn't completely know what he has yet, so I totally understand if he doesn't trust those guys yet. They got to play through some stuff. Yeah, um, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to – they're in a really weird position, uh, especially for them as, as rookies and young players trying to integrate themselves into the team when they've got guys ahead of them who are really no entrenched doubt. in Malone's sort of uh, circle of trust. And it's – I don't know. I, I can't expect them to be perfect the first day or the second day or even the third. Uh, but it's kind of something you have to play through to get to that point of being trustworthy. Um, and, and Malone has to put them out there and give them the opportunities to do that. We're, we're at a point where now we need to win games. Uh, so it's going to be hard. Um, so let's, uh, uh, did Jared Haley, did you guys have anything you wanted to add? I just wanted to say, uh, I really agree with what Peter's saying about Faku that you know people are frustrated with the way Faku's playing but 
and like, oh, Malone needs to play other people. Well, who? Who's he going to play? Like, Faku's been the most consistent person. He gives 100% of energy 100% of the time. You know, it's he just, you know, doesn't have the skill set that, you know, Jamal Murray has. So he's just he's doing as well as he can. And yeah, you know, there's just certain matchups that, that don't work for Faku very well. And normally we would have other people, mm-hmm. but we just don't right now. And so we just got to ride with what we have. What do you think of Marcus Howard in that spot? I mean, talking about other players that we have, I mean, the other comp- comparisons or people he's competing with are, are Marcus Howard and, and Bones, more or less. Yeah. Um, what do you see? He's usually well, a third-string point guard. Um, right. If you wanted to keep him a third-string point guard, could you play those other two maybe more in the mix? I don't know. I, I mean, like, Marcus Howard is also coming back from injury. So yes. it's like with him and Zeke and Bones, they kind of they don't have – a lot of consistency. There are some games where they don't play. Um, and I think that's just probably hard for, um, for, for those guys everyone. to really, for everyone to really feel confident enough if they're, you know, they never know if they're playing or not. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know if Marcus Howard's uh, playmaking is like, is quite at the level that it needs to be. Um but you know when he's on fire with shooting he's he can be deadly so um you know i i just don't know i thought he did it did well in that game the one that he got hurt in i forget which one um in classic nuggets fashion got I think hurt it was in the game yeah. he was playing yeah, right he was looking really good yeah yeah exactly uh it was yeah. a weird yeah it was a weird fall too so um yeah i just it would be nice to see him get some minutes. Um, but you know, Faku is, has been the most consistent. It's just, we already, we know what we can get from Faku and that's, you know, that's what it is. But I also think like the, the conversation around Faku has a lot of wild swings. Yeah. <laughs> just just yeah. based on, you know, I mean, he, he has a good game against a team that, you know, as maybe they have some young players he can take advantage of, uh, things like that. Where he has big moments, and I love it, and it's great. Um, and uh, you know, people are calling him uh, flawless and amazing, and that we should always trust him and never, you know, kind of doubt. Uh, and, and a couple days pass, and we have another game, and maybe he doesn't have so good of a game. The pitchforks come out and torches and. <laughs> Yeah. You know, yeah. we, we, you know, there's another side of that same coin where we're saying, oh, mm-hmm. wow, Bach was the worst player in the NBA. He doesn't even belong here. Send him back to Argentina, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's also a little bit unfair. And I, I think if yeah, anything, I wish sure. we would just be a little bit more understanding of the average with him. Um, regardless of where yeah. you think, where, you know, I think everyone has their varying opinions of where that average might be. Um, but, you know, he's going to have bad games. He's going to have good games. Um, you know, he can still do well, he, but he's always going to have flaws. So Right. Yeah. 
we know what we're getting with him. So, yeah, and Jared, it's never going to get old watching him, uh, watching him piss off uh, people he's guarding, like Chris Paul. That just never or gets Russell old to me. Or Russell yeah. Westbrook, or you know, having to count the number of nutmeg passes he's had in each game. He's just he's so entertaining to watch, even if yeah. you know he's not doing as well. Even fully well. healthy, I would give him like five minutes a game just to. Oh yeah. Just, you know, play a guy ninety four feet. Oh yeah, and if if you see yeah. those five minutes, you're like, that. oh, it's a Vaku night. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> you get a little emotional boost, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so uh, I think we can uh, take a little bit of a break and then we'll be right back with our next segment. And we're back, Ray, Jared, Peter, Haley. Let's get back into it. So there are a couple of decisions that I think they're going to you know, and they being Michael Malone mainly, uh, making towards the end of the season in terms of who gets played and in what order. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about Faku and Marcus Howard earlier. Peter, who do you think plays down the stretch over one another? You know, who's the uh, first guy off the bench? Who's second? Definitely Faku. I mean, Malone just trusts him at this point. Uh, two completely different skill sets. I mean, as we've seen with Marcus Howard, he does have the ability, even at the NBA level, to go off for like double-digit quarters, which not everybody does. I mean, so to have that guy at the end of your bench is, I think it's actually pretty valuable. You know, it's mm-hmm. like having a, a pinch hitter who only hits 200, but he's going to hit you, you know, some homers here and there. You know, Marcus you know reminds me of who Nate Robinson. Just and when he was a nugget okay. and how he kind of used to like he was on the bench, but he yeah 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 exactly same vibe. So I actually like Howard as like a change of pace guy if the team just can't score mm-hmm. at all because that's kind of mm-hmm. how Malone yeah. uses him right. It's like if if the team's really struggling to score, he's like, okay, well I do have a guy I can put in that can at least isn't afraid to take shots, right? You know, and then mm-hmm. on the good nights they go in. The difference is, obviously, Faku is so much better at creating offense for others. So I think when you look at – when you compare players, it's not as simple as just who's better in a vacuum. You have to talk about how they fit in. And I really think in the past month or so, Faku's done a really good job of building chemistry and getting guys like Jeff Green and Jermichael Green better looks. So hmm. – if you think about the team as a whole, I just think Faku makes more sense in terms of getting those other guys who are definitely going to play, you know, putting them in the best position to succeed going forward for the rest of the season and in the playoffs. And I think Marcus Howard is more of a, you know, break glass in a case of emergency type player. Interesting. Interesting. You know, sometimes with Faku, I think the concern is kind of his lack of scoring kind of has a similar effect that, um, you know, I, I saw this with Mason Plumby a lot, where I think Mason was a great passer, but because he's not a threat to score from outside of, you know, a couple of feet from the basket, people are more likely to just kind of play the pass with him and it kind of mitigates his uh, scoring ability. Do you see a reality maybe come playoff time that 
if that's the case, if teams really are just kind of playing the pass to the utmost extent, that Marcus does get that nod over Faku? I think Faku would have to play pretty poorly for like two to three, three games in a row games. for that for that to happen. Um, Be down 3-1. Yeah, I just think that Malone's trust him at this point. You know, hopefully we have Jamal back by then. So I don't think Faku would be playing crunch time. Um, you know, because I think Faku isn't as sore on the eyes when he's playing a, a more uh, you know, regular amount of minutes. What would you consider a regular? 10, 15? Mm, yeah, I think in the playoffs, somewhere between like 14, Kapman like Kapman like 22. If he's playing 25 minutes a game in the playoffs, like I, I don't know how we win that series. Hmm. How many was he playing last last year? Oh, yeah. that's a good question. Well, he's a starter. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, playoff Baku, he, I mean, his energy and hustle is just amazing to see. But, yeah, I guess it just also depends on the matchup Yeah, and mm-hmm. who we have available. And just how he plays. I mean, he could have I, a hot night. Yeah, I, think I actually possible. think in the last, like, week, week and a half, he's done a much better job at noticing, hey, they're giving me the lane. I cannot get two feet from the basket and then swing it. I have to put the layup up. Yeah. He's, Even he's definitely seeing that a bit cleaner. And and if mm-hmm. that continues, that that's a big development. Um, mm-hmm. His three ball has kind of disappeared after it was – it was it was solid for two three weeks a month maybe, but mm-hmm. it it really for for me personally a lot of it is if he turns the ball over three times in the first four possessions he's out there that's that's concerning because it kind could just sign. be one of those nights. Yeah, and then when he gets three feet from the basket and they're giving him the lane, he he there's just no option. You have to put that up. You can't you can't try to make a play out of that. The play is to make the layup. So I got the numbers yeah. here. Faku actually okay. played 27 minutes a game in the playoffs last year. Yeah. He shot mm-hmm. 39% from the field, which is terrible. But he shot Ugh. 39% from three, which is good. So it comes very mixed bag. That, that, yes, that is, um, I don't know what to say to that. Yeah, I mean, he should shoot more threes and, and by those metrics. Um and I think I, I still like Faku the most when he's confident and, and when he's willing to take those shots, when you, when you get left, you know, if they leave you open, you should shoot the ball. You know, right. I, and I think back to uh, Lakers nuggets that that playoff series where Andre Miller was on the team and Andre Miller does not shoot threes, but if you're going to leave him open for like 15 seconds at a time, he's going to, you know, he's going to take his time. He's going to take an extra dribble. He's going to space his feet really wide apart he's gonna get that little knee bend and he's gonna knock down some threes uh and i think that's what faku is gonna have to do if he wants to be uh playoff relevant but um Haley, did you have anything to add to our to uh faku do you do you want to see him uh shoot more shoot less play more play less uh you know i would like to see him driving to the rim and shooting and you know getting into the paint uh, it's just so I, it's just hard for him to do that. But um, you know, our bench doesn't really have doesn't really have people who can drive to the rim other than Barton and 
and bones although you know bones has some way to go with that but he's goes. he's the only one that really he can get there gets to him, so yeah that's fair uh the so i wanted to talk about another sort of uh rotation decision that Malone is likely going to have to make down the stretch of the season and going into the playoffs. Uh, when I think about Denver's big rotation, Jamichael Green, Jeff Green, Zeke Naji, um, kind of all not, not seven footers, you know, not, not traditional bigs, but they're all kind of getting time uh, at the five spot or at the very least kind of, in that and that role where they're being asked to play the dunker roll to the rim that sort of thing uh jared i'll start with you come playoff time where do you feel that is going to shake out i mean i i would have to guess jeff is pretty much a lock to play uh but jamichael green and zeke naji they both both have had ups and downs this year who do you think wins in, in that sort of comparison Right. I was actually going to start off by saying I think you could almost leave Jeff out of this conversation because I think it's a non-starter that he, especially in the last two, two weeks. weeks, three weeks, yeah. that he's he's really he's clicked on, on where on where to be. Yeah, where, Uncle Jeff. And even even before the dunk started, just raining down, he's he's really found his spots in this offense and where Jokic wants him to be, where where even Faku wants him to be, and and things like mm-hmm. that. So I I really almost think we can just leave Jeff out of this as far as a. Uh, Jamichael and Zeke it's tough because I am also a very much a Jamichael Green guy I, I really like what he brings I like the attitude he he brings to the team I like the the rebounding which which Zeke has improved on but there's still a level of consistency and trust I have that if Jamichael Green plays 26 minutes he's gonna get six or seven rebounds Zeke might get 11 he might get two so mm. um I think it's tough. I think it's actually really close. I, I think it's way closer than than a Faku versus Howard discussion. Um and and it might just boil down to who's playing better that week, who's who's been who's been rolling for the last week and a half and, and it kind of goes back and forth all year because that's kind of what it's done so far. Interesting. Haley, do you kind of uh you feel a similar way or do you or do you feel like it's not as close as Jared's uh, alluding to? Um You know, I think Malone just goes with who he trusts the most. And it's also significant that Jokic really trusts Jermichael Green and, you know, has voiced that he loves playing with him. Um, So I think, you know, I think he's going to end up going with J-Mike. Plus, he's been doing a lot better the last few games. Getting getting rebounds is really important. so, I mean, he's also been getting minutes with Jokic, which Jokic is really happy about. So, always elevates. I don't know how much I don't know how much he would he would get with uh, next to Jokic, you know, if people are coming back healthy. But um, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Interesting, Peter. Do you have you have thoughts on this? Do you feel like it's uh, kind of a lock for Jamichael being the veteran? Well. I feel like there's a lot of variables here because in the pl- you're asking for playoffs, right? End of season slash playoffs. Because I think, you know, there's always the playoffs, but I think where that sort of decision gets made is more right. often than like not last, 10 last to 15 games stretch. before. Yeah. 
So when Michael's kind of side, kind of trim so, back the rotation. I guess what I think is when it counts, Jokic is going to play 38 to 40, 42 minutes, right, in a playoff game. So Jamichael's going to get those backup minutes. He's going to be the backup center unless we sign somebody else, right? I mean, there's rumors of Cousins, you know, who knows if we have supposed to be signed soon as of this recording. I'm going to answer this question assuming we don't have a true backup center for the playoffs. Which is fair. And that backup center minutes will go to Michael Green. And the other variables here are what's going on with Michael Porter? If Michael Porter is back and he's playing, Zeke Nagy's not playing. If Michael Porter is out, somebody still has to play the backup four. So now the choice actually becomes, does Michael Malone do something you absolutely hate, which is shift Will Barton back up to the three for a lot of minutes and have Jeff Green play that backup four, or does he trust Zeke Naji? Because somebody's got to play backup four for Aaron Gordon. So Hmm. Zeke probably is going to play anyway, assuming MPJ is still out, and then he'll just get a quick hook if if he does like one or two things that Malone doesn't like. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think it's, it's experience he could definitely use. Uh, you know, it would be, I don't want to say disappointing, but there's something to kind of as a young player, and I think this will be also, also true for Bones, kind of taking your lumps in the playoffs and kind of getting that experience. You know, Monte went through a similar thing where, you know, you realize the kind of pressure that, that mounts in that kind of atmosphere uh, is on a level that, that you know, I, I couldn't even imagine. And, and that you kind of need that kind of kick in the pants to push you into the next office season, knowing that, hey, I need to get better at this, this, and this, uh, because this is really what matters, and this is really what I'm going to be asked to do in, in the highest pressure situation. So I, I hope he plays. Um, I will admit, Jermichael Green is probably going to get that nod. Uh, he does have the experience. Uh, but I also think, you know, a big variable is who's shooting better. You know, Jermichael Green, known, you know, he's had sort of ups and downs in terms of being able to space the floor or not space the floor, where, and, you know, Zeke could also struggle with this, again, because it is the playoffs, but I think Zeke is, in my book, a more reliable three-point shooter. Uh, And I think that might be something that the team really needs come playoff time. So it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. Uh, The... There's one more, you know, and, and this is kind of a hot take, uh, but one more conversation that I think might be had come playoff time that I kind of want to share with you guys. Got to prepare myself for this because, you know, the blowback <laughs> might be real. I think Davon Reed should start. I know. Okay. It's, it's, okay. Hard. it's, okay. it's, gonna... it's a lot. We don't do video, but based on the facial reactions, I think we have to let Peter start this one off. Um, let me let me explain before you go in. Okay, basically. Okay, so we have we have three primary guards. We've got Jamal Murray, hopefully. We've got wait. Will you're Barton. saying We've got Davon Monte Reed Moore. should start with Jamal Murray back? I think either way, uh, and here's why. <laughs> Between those three, I feel. Depending on your plan, who you're playing, it's possible you can get matched up with a team that just doesn't have a great perimeter score. But I think come playoff time, that's unlikely. 
And that to beat a team like that, a team, you know, like the Jazz, like the Warriors, you need, you genuinely need a guy who can slope down opposing perimeter players, or you're going to have to put up 140 a game, you know? And for me, there are other defensive options that Denver has tried. Austin Rivers, you know, Faku Campazzo, and, and they're admirable. Their defensive acumen is sound. I think they're sound defenders technically, in a, from a technical perspective, not technically as in like a caveat. But I think they both lack the kind of length and, and mobility on the perimeter, that physicality that's going to be necessary to really make, uh, and I think this was evidence last night, a guy like Donovan Mitchell or LeBron James even, feel that kind of presence uh, where I still like Will Barton. I still like Monte Morris. I still like Jamal Murray, but I think having any two of those three out there on the court at the same time, I think some of their skill sets are going to be a little bit redundant. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit more akin to like a CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard situation where yes, they're going to put up numbers, but you're also making the, game really easy for the opposing team. And I think so much of what play, playoff basketball is about is controlling the pace, controlling the that sort of physicality battle. So that's my take. I'm going to let Peter, I'm going to let you react. Uh, I feel like you're, you're itching to go. So um, what do you think? All right. So you haven't completely convinced me, but you've at least – made a good case like i understand where you're coming from because you actually just uh reminded me of something that i got to take you guys back to 2009 what you're basically mm -hmm. saying is you want davon reed to be the dante jones of this team and let will barton be the jr smith have him be the guy yes. come off the bench score help the state unit i totally get that but what i always say is you have to remember this isn't 2k these are personalities Will Barton has said for years, I'm a starter. You know, like Will Barton is going to start. Will Barton's going to start. He raises the ceiling of the team with the talent that we have available. It's it's a damn good starting unit. And here's what I'll say. I like Davon Reed. I do understand, like, he probably honestly is a slightly better defender than Will Barton, but he doesn't have as much juice offensively. But here's what I'll say. You can bring him into a game and he can affect the game, you know, with his hustle, with his energy, with his effort on defense. And then what oftentimes we see happen in playoff games is as the game plays out, you kind of see what you need and who's playing well. If you guys remember the Jazz series a couple of years ago, PJ Dozier ended up closing one of the games because he Malone really needed his defense on Conley and we won that game. So I could see a scenario. Back. I could see a scenario where Davon is asked to play more, like in a second half here or there, to like for a specific matchup. But I'm not going to go as far as to say he should start over Will Barton or or Jeff Green. I just think, you know, I know you've had your problems with Jeff Green, but I really trust this guy in the playoffs. Oh, not Jeff. It's it's Barton. Okay. Yeah, I just think. I think you got to go with Will. I, I think you got to see what he gives you. And the nice thing is, if, if Will doesn't have it, you got you got options. But you got to go with Plan A first. I think. Uh, Haley, did you have thoughts on this, or or I could jump in? Um, I agree with Peter. I think it's matchup dependent, and I think Malone is 
always going to go with Barton um, to start a, a playoff series. And then, you know, if, if it happens where Davon Reed is, is really needed for that matchup, um, then yeah, I think he would maybe make some changes. But if we're down yeah, Barton, Barton, yeah, but Bingo. Barton <laughs> is a, a starter, you know, and he, that's part of his identity um, as a nugget. And I think he's, you know, he's obviously good enough to do that. Um, so I just don't really, I don't see it happening, but I do really like um, watching Davon get minutes with Jokic. That's fair. Um, Ray, I wanted to ask you this. Sure. So we don't want to date ourselves too aggressively, but this is going to be coming out shortly after the jazz game. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you see from Davon Reed? The few, I know he wasn't the main assignment on Donovan Mitchell, but there were a few possessions there where, where he got put onto, onto Donovan Mitchell. And personally, I just felt like he guarded LeBron much better than the quickness of Donovan. So I would be a little concerned if, if you're asking him to, to be the perimeter defender, the guard stopper. Um, so I, I, I might actually want to say he's better at guarding players bigger than him than those smaller than him and quicker. Mm-hmm. And I actually think the gap, because Barton's at the point where he's, he's really good at knowing when he's going to be playing defense and when he's not. And on a second night of a back-to-back with his legs, with his wind and legs, the way they have been this season, he's not. I actually on on quick guards. I don't know if the gap is is that big personally between a locked in playing hard defense Will Barton versus a Davon Reed. I I I don't know. I guess I just think Davon Reed is. It's such a small sample size, but I I thought there was a difference the way he guarded a big wing versus a quick guard. That's I would probably say that's true. He's probably better off uh, guarding Luka Doncic. For example, than Donovan Mitchell, right. At the but same time, that's what we got if I'm going to ask, for. if I'm going to ask uh, him to spend, do I do I want Will Barton to spend all of his energy in a playoff series doing that? I don't know if I yeah. do. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, um, the other thing before we this also wrap like, this conversation up, I just want to mention: sure. two-way players might not be eligible for the playoffs this year. I know they were last year because of roster concerns, but I are are they going to do that again? Do we know? Does I thought they were any news about that? I can neither confirm nor deny, but I'm under the impression <laughs> they might. that they, they are. They probably would. That would be Especially no fun if the like, NBA says, oh, two-way guys can't play in the playoffs. Right, right. We yeah. did it one year, and they're they're gone. Uh, especially given, like, how much chaos has happened this year yeah. in terms of, like, needing extra guys and guys on 10 days, and, in you know, one day they're playing, and next day they're not. And I don't know. I think it would be. Right. Actually, you I know, just figured it, it'd at least be worth mentioning. It's possible that this, this possible. isn't even a possibility. I don't know oh, all boy. the I don't know all the cap rules and cap math, Jared. But I I feel like if if they weren't allowed to bring him into the playoffs, and Jamal looks good, I think there's a chance where they say MPJ out for the season and then sign Davon for like a real spot. I mean, I don't know if that's possible or if that's allowed, but. I don't see how you can not have him coming on the playoff roster. That's a good point. I, you need him. That's actually a good point. You're you're right. Even if even if we don't want to go as far as Ray and say he's starting, you're going to need him to, to cut play ball minutes, ball. especially if Porter's not playing. Right. Be, there are players on the roster who you know aren't playing. I, so yeah, I think 
I, we have to give the Nuggets enough credit. The fact that they did try to trade Bold Bull. So I do think that if <laughs> they tried, if they need to convert Davon to a full spot for the playoffs, I think they would make it happen. Yeah, because the rest of the locker room would be pretty pissed off if they didn't, right? Yeah, and well, anything might even be pissed off if he makes it through the buyout period without being off this roster. <laughs> yeah, I would. I mean, he's that's kind of it's a tough hand. Uh, it is. Did they send him home yeah. yet? He's, he's not on the bench with the team. I didn't, as far as I know, I didn't see him on the bench. I can't. I can't remember which was the most recent game I went to, but it was after the trade, and I didn't see him. Okay. Yeah. That's well, they've already have. given. It's got to be really They've awkward. already given Ennis his number, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, but that's also just <laughs> so a ten days really like number. Like, <laughs> might have to well, print his jersey back, real but, quick. Uh, Mike, did he did he, he end the lease of his apartment? <laughs> you know, all these other. God, things. that's got to be so awkward. Uh, Imagine quitting your job, right? And and then like, oh man, you put it, you put in your two weeks, and it's your last day, and you're like, yeah, I'm done with this place. And then the and next then you day, show up on Monday. Yeah, like <laughs> ah, that's that's painful. You know, that's Poor that's guy. gotta be tough. Um, okay, so I don't have any other player. I don't think they have any other like sort of roster rotation kind of decisions to make outside of just guys returning from injury. Um, what, what I did want to touch on before we finish is, is kind of what were some of something that you expect to happen going forward, you know, towards the end of the season, uh, and into the playoffs, you know, just, uh, be it, you know, one player or even like a relationship between a couple of players. Uh, it could be, you know, regular season or playoff basketball. Uh, one thing that I was thinking of, <laughs> uh, I actually think they have a trade in them. I know that's just me. It might be small, but I think there's still one more to be had. Um, but, okay, Peter, is there anything you were thinking about going forward? Um. So earlier when I was trying to think about players that, you know, either, you know, how did they do versus our expectations? What do we see in the second half of the season? Mm-hmm. I actually have a guy that I came up with that I don't think a lot of us would think of as like an X factor or like is going to have much of a change. But here's who I want to bring up. Monte Morris has been a steady rock for this team ever since he's been a nugget, right? We've asked a little bit more of him each year. And now this year, he knew that he was going to be the starting point guard. And Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say he's passed with flying colors. I'd probably give him about a B, B minus for this season. He's he's been good. He's been what we needed. He's he's still the same steady guy, low turnovers. uh, Solid. Solid. Very solid. Hasn't, like, shot the lights out. Hasn't shot poorly. You know, he's had some off games, had some good games. But here's why I want to bring him up. His role is going to change, right? Jamal Murray's going to come back. Nuggets Nation's going to be super excited. I'm not worried about him, like, being upset that he's going to get less minutes or anything. I'm just – what I'm interested to see is, does his solid play translate to raising the bench up, right? Because that's been this team's biggest problem is we're an amazing team when Jokic is on the floor and a terrible team when he's not on the floor. So does – 
just adding the depth piece of Jamal coming back help the entire team because now Faku doesn't have to play as much and you get Monte with the second Unimorph. Mm, interesting. I, I definitely have some thoughts, but uh, Haley, what do you think of Monte's prospects just coming back to like a sort of bench role and, and reintegrating himself into that sort of uh, that backup unit? Uh, I absolutely think that that's going to make the entire team better. Um, you know, Monte is a really steady, solid guy, and he, you know, leads our bench and has led them, and he's just so reliable, um, and he likes that role. So I think if he's going to get to go back to, you know, being the floor general of the bench, I think it's just going to make things uh, go a lot more smoothly. Yeah, I mean, I think it's that, that, that makes sense. I mean, I feel like his job is going to be a lot easier. You know, he's not you're not going to go against starting guards. You know, like, oh, wow. Now I get to go against. um Backups. I'm just trying to think of, yeah, backups. Like I'm going against Malik Monk or uh, Kobe <laughs> White, that sort of thing. Oh, like Ray, one really important thing I want to throw in with Monte. Yeah. Every time I go back to reminisce and watch playoff games like Utah series, Clippers series, even some games mm-hmm. last year, there's a lot of times when, you know, we're down second quarter, third quarter, whatever, and the bench is in. And how many times are we scared like when our bench is in? Monte is the guy that's not afraid. He's going to make the right play. Yeah, he's going to yeah. be calm, exactly. and he sticks some jumpers to get us right put, back put in that there. Like footer up. Yep. Like you end of the game, and Monte might only have twelve or fourteen points. Those are a big twelve or fourteen points that he's giving us mm-hmm. because there are a it's lot of times when bench most nights <laughs> you're about to crack, and then if you're down seven, and then all of a sudden you're down nine, you're worried it's going to get to double digits. Monte's the guy that's going to bring it back to a five point game, and. uh you know, I just love yeah. having him on the floor. I feel so safe with him. It's just we're lucky to have him. Yeah, uh, I trust him on that. Like he comes off of a screen, makes a little, little uh, free throw line, mid mid range jumper. It's nice to see. Um, yeah, Jared, did you have any predictions for this like second half going forward? Predictions? Uh, probably not. I re- I really think we're just in survive and bank wins mode i think i've said that on mm-hmm. three podcasts in a row so too much ptsd to make predictions. it's still true <laughs> survive and bank wins too much drama <laughs> that's fair that's fair so um, i'm, I'm not sure. concerned about it i know you want you dream of a playing game versus the nuggets i do not i'll, the I'll take the five or the six or versus the lakers i'm sorry uh, i'm not saying i want to be in the play-in uh <laughs> but but hypothetically if we had to be in the play-in, I'd rather play the Lakers. And if we beat the Lakers in the play-in, that's a <laughs> that one for me. That cool. would be pretty cool. I don't want to be in the play-in. It's not a cool. whole championship, but it's like 20% of a championship. Jarrett, how badly do you want that game to happen in Ball oh, Arena? Gosh. And then Ray is like outside after the game chanting at Laker fans like, go home, like take that L out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if my, so many my doctor will recommend chance. it to me. So, <laughs> Oh, my gosh. It's going to be great. Um, um, I got to set aside this dream because I don't. it's not likely. It's not likely. Uh, I, I do have one more prediction, but I'm going to throw it to you, Haley. Do you have any thoughts on 
um, where we can go in the second half of the season? Yeah. Um, well, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I think it really just comes down to who's healthy and who's available to play. Um, more injuries, basically. Yeah, please. Um, I think also one thing I want to see the Nuggets work on is uh, figuring out our second half issues. We've just been atrocious um, at uh, third and fourth quarters. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think there's a lot, a lot there. Um, I think fatigue has had um, a part in that. I think other teams are just figuring out they can double and triple Jokic. And if the rest of them aren't making their shots, then, you know, that's that's their strategy that they can do. It's a problem. That's fair. Um, I also so, think sometimes it's like uh, when the bench comes in and then they go from, you know, it's a close game where now it's a 10-point, you know, deficit or it's a 10-point mm-hmm. lead and now it's a close game or they're down three or something like that. I think that also is kind of contributing to it in the sense that they're – it's kind of a vibe killer, you know? Oh, yeah. for sure, yeah. You know, and then starters yeah. do come back and they're like, shit. What, now we're down 13? What? Why? When did this happen? I was absolutely, I, yeah. I see, I see Jokic on the bench sometimes, and it reminds me a lot of oh. how LeBron looks on the bench when he's looking at Russell Westbrook's stats. Like, oh. he's just kind of miserable. Uh, but yeah, but I think but I it's also, possible they can fix it. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Yeah. I also have been, um, thinking a lot about Bones. You know, I, he's had, um, he had COVID a couple times. He's sprained his ankles multiple times. Uh, so then he's just, he's not able to play, you know, a solid stretch of games in a row. Um, so I think that's probably hard for him to maintain consistency and really, you know, probably hinders his growth. Um, but uh, one thing I was thinking about is I think Steph Curry has like an actual ankle protocol and like, you know, he wears ankle braces. He does workouts specifically to make sure his ankles are, um, are protected and strengthened. And um, it was a thing. yeah, we need to find yeah. that trainer, whoever, whoever I sh- think, switched him up. Yeah. I think that would be great for bones because I mean, it's like, I've sprained my ankles. Once you do it once, it's like, you know, it just reoccurs easily. And uh, he's so skinny. Um, so I, I, that would be really cool to see. Can I make um, a counterpoint in favor of Bones and his injuries? Is it possible that him missing so much time has given him the opportunity to be um, a little bit fresher coming down the season where he doesn't have to, uh, you know, a lot of times rookies come into the league and, and they play and maybe a month or two into the season, they hit a wall uh, where I feel like maybe the breaks, in the, especially how frequent they are, where he's playing four games. Okay. He's got some lessons. Okay. He's going to sit for a little bit. Okay. Yeah. He's playing more games and maybe it's delayed his development somewhat, but I also think maybe it's delayed him, kind of hitting that rookie wall do you think that's possible um 
my headphones just died, so I'm using my computer. So sorry <laughs> if, uh, if it's uh, poor quality. I, I just think the consistency is something he really needs because um, it seems like when he comes back from being out for a few games, it takes him a minute to, you know, he doesn't have mm-hmm. the best games. Um, so I think he just needs, needs I, I would like for him to have more minutes and to have more minutes with Jokic, um, as every player wants, more minutes with Jokic. Uh, I just think that, you know, he's really learning from Jokic, and he had an interview on uh, TNT after the Lakers game, and he said he just, you know, talked about how amazing Jokic is and how he's learning so much from him, Um, you know, basketball IQ stuff too. So... Um, yeah, I just, I want to see him get more minutes and just really get more comfortable with his role. Um, and I also, I don't know, I was interested to hear from you guys. He's fouled out, I think a couple times now he's seen, he does a lot of take fouls, but I think he also, you know, he's aggressive on defense. Um, but maybe not necessarily the most effective. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. he has a long span, so that's nice. But it seems like he gets into foul trouble pretty easily. I'm sure he'll learn, you know, about being better. Too. So the, the two things I've noticed with that is when someone drives at him, he still has the initial reaction to put both his hands out. And mm-hmm. I think that's that I think that's killing him. And then with the take fouls, I I honestly, if he's playing 22 minutes a night, I don't mind someone using their fouls. Mm-hmm. You just can't put them in the bonus three minutes into the quarters like the Nuggets bench has has done pretty often. <laughs> well, it yeah. seems like he does take fouls when he already has a couple fouls. Right, and right. And that's, that's something that you. comes with awareness. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not worried about pretty it at all. Much. Honestly, uh, mm-hmm. rookies always have foul problems. Yeah. It's pretty rare if they don't. It's like... This may sound weird to say, but it's actually better if rookies do commit a lot of fouls because that means they're trying. You know, yeah, what you don't true. want He's is like aggressive. what you don't want is, you know, Wancho Hernan Gomez playing 15 minutes a game and ending the game with zero fouls because he's just kind of standing there letting people do whatever they want. Right. Um so yeah. Bones is trying to play defense. Uh the yeah. NBA game, it, you have to remember he didn't play like high major D1. He played in the A10, which is it's a good league, but it's not even uh, in the big boys league. So he's uh, playing VCU, right? Yeah, VCU, which is a good basketball school, but it's like he's not playing against guys that are going to the NBA most nights. So right. his jumping competition are going to the NBA or with right. Them. So he he's playing. He's having a significant level of jumping competition right now, and I think mm-hmm. he's handling it pretty damn well. In fact, yeah. his high like. The, here's what you want to see from a rookie, okay? Um, you want to see high highs. They're going to be low lows, but the fact that he's having high highs as a rookie, especially the first half of his rookie season, is fantastic. So yeah. I think at the very least, he's going to be a Lou Williams, Jordan Clarkson type player for his career. He's going to be like a 25-minute-a-game off-the-bench guy that can, that's going to average like 15 a game. If he can get more of the IQ down, He's going to get to the line the way that Lou Williams and Jamal Crawford did as well. So, yeah. And getting to play with Jokic, he's just going to keep getting better and getting smarter and getting good shots. So, 
Mm -hmm. I'm really excited for his, his long-term potential. Yeah. I also wanted to say that I've noticed in the last couple games, some, um, some of the other vets on the opposing team kind of roughing him up a little bit. And I kind of liked seeing that because, you know, he also responded with some aggressiveness, uh, but didn't lose his cool. Um, and, you know, uh, Bazemore on the Lakers was roughing him up. And uh, after the game, they like were friendly with each other. And um, Bones was asked about it. And he said that he likes he likes that because it's helping him learn. And uh, I thought that was just I, I was really happy to hear that from him. Yeah, I he think he's done it. He has edge. And I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's always competing, always challenging shots. And I think that's like mm-hmm. defensively, that's one, one thing that I'm actually really impressed with him by is that yeah, he does a great job of like closeouts yeah. against mm-hmm. opposing shooters. And I think that's mm-hmm. something that like, I don't know if there's another guard on this team who does that, does it that well, um, who, who uses his length in that way. So uh, I'm, I'm really they happy can't. for him. They don't have length. <laughs> yeah. I wanted don't. to be nice. I wanted to be nice. <laughs> I mean, well, Will Barton has length. He just dies on screens, but it's fine. It's fine. Uh, cool. So the last thing, uh, unless you guys had something you wanted to add, is just like when you guys had any non-nugget predictions or, or you know, thoughts um, going towards the end of the season. Uh, I know one of my my uh, my side piece team and my, one of my favorite non-nugget players, DeMar DeRozan, Nick Bowles, first seed in the East. I'm not saying uh, they're going to win the title, but I'm feeling them. That's all I'll say. Uh, I think they're gelling in a way that a lot of teams aren't. Um, you know, you're looking at the Nets, who just lost Kevin Durant. Um, the Bucks, I think, are probably the biggest threat, just in the sense that I think they haven't really had full capacity yet this year. Uh, but I still think they're going to be in the mix. Um, mm-hmm. But out, outside of that, I mean, the Cavs are a nice story, but uh, the 76ers, the Hornets, the Raptors, not many teams I think see uh, have as much cohesion as that unit. Um, obviously, if they get out of the East and they're playing the Nuggets, you know who I'm pulling for. But uh, Arturis Karnasovas, also my guy. So I'm really happy for him. The Bulls are super fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Cool. Uh, Haley, did you have anything you wanted to add? Shout out? Anything like that? I'm just also really loving the Grizzlies. Uh, it's, you know, they're all really gelling. And, you know, when John ja Morant was out, they were they were still doing great. So, um, and it's just, it's so, they're so fun. So I'm happy for them, but also I, I don't really want to meet them in the playoffs. We're matched up with them right now. So <laughs> uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we don't. But, I mean, there's no easy playoff matchups in, at the end of the no. day. But uh, we can only hope that <laughs> that the Nuggets are going to be a better team come playoff time and that the Grizzlies kind of uh, come down to earth to some extent, but I, that's a fair, I mean, they're playing so well, so it is really impressive. And 
uh, it's hard to see anyone stopping John Morant from getting whatever he wants on the basketball court right now. Um, so yeah, that that's uh, that'll do it for us tonight. Uh, this has been Four Corners, the midseason review, and as always, go Nuggets.